My name is Fortune Teller Baba, and you're listening to the Hermit Style Podcast. Now, where's my brother? I need my 10 zenny back with 57 years interest. Welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast. Talking all about the Dragon Ball Supercard game. From competitive play to the world of collecting, with your host, Jimmy Bacon. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast. We are back. It is Wednesday, November 10th. Uh, It's going to be a fun week because we have... Three episodes dropping. So we've got today's episode, which is going to be the last of our Road to Nat series. Tomorrow, we're going to drop the award show. If you haven't heard an award show, they are super fun. We basically just, it's just a fun episode. I bring on some guests. We have some different award categories and we give out awards to that are funny. Some of them that are our favorite cards. Some of them are our least favorite cards, uh, different decks, all kinds of things. Basically, it's just to look back on the format before a new set drops. And that's how we wrap up our seasons. So that will be the end of season four. And then we will kick off a brand new season on Friday, where we will do a top five episode with another special guest. Uh, So yeah, huge week. And then I will say next week, there will be no show. Uh, next week is just going to be getting ready for naps and then we'll, I'll be out of town. I won't have access to my equipment. So no show next week, but I think three episodes this week <laughs> makes up for it. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy this one today. It's going to be a little different. Uh, I'm not going to have a news segment. So basically, uh, if you have not heard, I am going to be at a big card show this, this coming weekend, this Saturday, uh, I'll be at the Virginia beach field house. So if you're in the area or close enough to drive, I strongly recommend coming out. There's a huge card show. Uh, There's going to be all kinds of vendors there. I believe the number is at about 150 different vendors there. Uh, There's going to be sports cards, trading cards, Pokemon, Funko Pops, toys, all different kinds of collectibles, comic books, you name it. it. It's just, it's almost like a huge convention, but just for collectors of all different games. Uh, It's going to be a blast. For those of you who are into sports, there are some special guests that are going to be there to sign different cards, some that will likely be in the MLB Hall of Fame very soon. So very, very exciting. And actually to break the whole event down, I have one of the organizers who puts this whole show together on the show with me today. So before we jump into the road to Nats, I'm going to bring him on for a spotlight segment and then... We're going to jump into it. The last of our four-part series, we're going to be breaking down Soul Striker. The last of the four decks we picked to talk about to help you with your Nats prep. I hope everyone enjoys the episode, and let's get to it. All right, everybody. So we, have, we haven't we have had this segment actually in a little while. We're bringing it back. The Sponsor Spotlight segment. Um, I'm really excited because I'm actually going to be attending a big card event coming up here soon in the Hampton Roads area. And we were lucky enough to have Russell, um, who is running the show, onto the pod. Russell, welcome. Hey, I sure appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, lately we were just talking a little bit before we started, but um, I've been 
kind of talking a little bit more, you guys know about collectors recently. We had a really big Dragon Ball collector on called Top Son Goku. He's one of the largest collectors for Dragon Ball. So this is kind of cool to to keep on that flow. And right now we've had a lot of competitive content. We're getting ready for a big uh, tournament, a national tournament in California. But after that, we're going to really be pushing hard on the on the collector side. So ironically, your event is right before Nats. So it's kind of like a perfect time to, uh, <laughs> to segue over to, to that space. But yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your show? Yeah. Hey, uh, my name is Russell Savage. I uh, live here in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I run a monthly collectible show in Virginia Beach and kind of been running the show with my partner here for the last uh, year now and uh, really started out as just a sports card show. And then when we took over, we took it into just anything that's collectibles from comic books to Pokemon, Dragon Ball, uh, Funko Pops, uh, Hot Wheels, uh, anything that's a collectible, we have those vendors and we love all the different kind of collectors that, that come to our show. Awesome. 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 And, uh, the show that this show that's coming up is on November 13th. Is that right? November 13th at the Virginia beach field house. Uh, it's going to be the largest sports card collectible show in Hampton roads. I, I think ever, uh, is I've been here for 20 years now and, our monthly location is at the Pembroke Bingo Hall, and we can we can fit about eighty-ish tables of vendors at the at the Bingo Hall. And you know, we took over, and maybe half the room was filled. And then, since we've taken over, you know, just collectibles as a whole has really you know been on fire. But, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> COVID <laughs> did great for our industry. <laughs> COVID did you know as as terrible as COVID is to a lot of other things it's it's been um really good on the collectible yeah, side yeah <laughs> you got you got to find the light right like <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta find a little bit of the light right and you know it's it's i've talked to people that said hey you know i used to collect this this or this back you know 10 15 20 30 years ago and now i'm back into it and you know a lot of the reason is because of covid and, you know, I think it's a great time to be a collector. It's a great time to be a seller of collectibles. Uh, I think, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's not a one-sided market right now. I think it's just great on both sides of it to be a collector and a seller of collectibles. Uh, so, yeah, we've got, we've got our monthly show that's at the Pembroke Bingo Hall in Virginia Beach, and we outgrew it pretty much. Wow, and that's we were, awesome. We've been try- <laughs> it's yeah, a good problem no, to have. <laughs> good, pro- good problem to have, yet it was still a bit of a problem. You know, uh, any given month, you know, probably by the second or third month that we took over, we had a waiting list of people. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And so we started looking for, for other venues, and we think we may have found a new home at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse. It's a... Uh, it's an indoor sports complex, and we'll we'll be on an indoor soccer field, essentially. <laughs> That's so and, cool. <laughs> so sets the tone. Have, yeah, yeah, it sets the tone. I mean, you've got that artificial turf, you know, on, below your feet, and you're in this soccer field. You get nets. There's a, a, you know, heck, we should probably bring a football and have people <laughs> kick, uh, kick some field goals in there. And... But I think it's going to be a neat event. Uh, we're 
we're at about 150 some tables for this event. Whew. Yeah, it's 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 been uh, quite the quite the adventure trying to put this on. So we're whereas we normally have 80 some tables, now we're up to 150 tables. Yeah, that's We've got, wow. It's great. Yeah, we've got multiple autograph guests. Uh, we got Billy Wagner, uh, Hunter Gregory, Sam Allen, Pedro Sierra coming to sign autographs. Wow. Um, uh, now, so by listen, I'm familiar with some of those names, and that's incredible. Yeah. Some of my listeners may not be familiar with them. Can you just quick say like who they are? Because that that's pretty yeah. huge. <laughs> oh, Billy Wagner is the he's the main draw for for the autograph collectibles. He is. Uh, He's a local Virginia boy, uh, played at Ferrum College, and went on to be drafted in the first round by the Astros and is six all-time in saves. So anytime you can say you're six all-time in anything in Major League Baseball, that's a wow big achievement. And he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but I give it another two years, maybe three years, before he gets enough votes that he'll be a, a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then Sam Allen and Pedro Sierra, uh, they're former Negro League players. Uh, not a lot of those guys left. I mean, they're this is this is history that we're having at the event. I mean, these, you know, they played against some of the best players ever, and you know, not a lot of those Negro League players that are left. I mean, because you figure by the '60s, you know, the Negro Leagues were no more, and you know, so it's it's a great honor to have those two there. And then Hunter Gregory, uh, another local product. He uh, pitched here at Old Dominion, and just this year was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the eighth round. So nice. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. 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 Yeah. And then, oddly enough, we had somebody reach out to us going, hey, uh, I want to come and sell my sports cards, but by the way, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm an actor. And I played in The Wire. So if anybody ever watched The Wire on HBO, uh, <laughs> no so kidding. <laughs> guy, guys, like, yeah, my name is Chris Ashworth, and I played the Russian in The Wire. And I'm like, I, I had watched The Wire growing up, you know, what was it, ten some odd years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, you played the Russian, you know? I so I knew who he was instantly. <laughs> and here I, I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm just geek out you know i'm I'm, right right i'm back to being a little a little kid like talking to like this famous person (laughs) but he's like yeah he's like you know he's like i really haven't melded the two lives together you know he's like i've always been an avid sports car collector i've i've done some events previously before i got into acting but you know he's like i i need to start selling cards again you know and so he reached out to us for really his his first time back into selling cards um, but you know, he's played in the wire. He played in Terminator salvation movie. I mean, he's got like, oh, that's so cool. Like 40, <laughs> like 40 credits to his name. Wow. So he'll be there. And he's like, yeah, if anybody recognizes me and wants an autograph, I'll sign it for him. So, <laughs> Oh, nice. Wow. All right. So geez, that's uh, I didn't, I didn't know that either. That's awesome. So yeah. So November 13th, Virginia beach field house, uh, sounds like it's going to be an amazing event. And for those of you who are interested in things just other than sports too, there's going to be a lot of it. I'm going to be there. Uh, I'm going to have a hermit style booth set up and I'm going to have, uh, actually I'll have the new play mats that I just got to order in. So if you all want play mats, I'll have those there. We'll have some graded cards and all kinds of inventory for dragon ball kind of 
cards and all different things. So I'm really excited. Um, there's so let me, I have to ask you this cause I genuinely yep. want to know, um, <laughs> what makes certain sports cards so collectible and rare? Cause when I look at them, I have no idea. Like I was just at a recent card show and they were like, this card is like $4,000 and this card is like 40. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, like what if, if I want to go buy a pack of sports cards, Maybe this is a loaded question that you can't answer easily. I don't know. But like what what am I looking for? <laughs> All right. So first off, you're looking for the player. All right. So whoever's the hot player, or you got somebody like Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna, who are just, you know, the best of times right now. So that that's first that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the player. All right. Then you're looking for the rarity of that card. Uh, in most of these baseball card packs, football, basketball packs, when you open these, uh, you'll have what's called your base card. And that's just, they print off a million of these base cards. And so everybody, everybody gets one. Then they have, you know, on the baseball card side, it, the rare ones are usually called your refractors or your colored parallels. Okay. Okay. And so, and more rare the the parallel or the refractor so it may be you know uh, this one's numbered to 250 so then this blue refractor there's only they only made 250 of those or if it's oh, green they only made 99 of them i see so, so and the number's yeah. actually on the card numbers are actually on the card okay so, so you're looking for the number i'm like i want the number <laughs> looking for the number or you know, like some of these cards, are like this card right here. This is Eddie. Ros well, it's probably hard to see, but that's Eddie Rosario. He just played in the World Series and did a really good job. Oh, this is an autograph card. So he actually signed this card for Tops for them to send it out. That's another oh, thing you want to look. Oh, really? want to look. Yeah, yeah. So, you so they'll sign the card and then put it in they'll like a random card, pack. Put it in a random pack. Wow. And so those are rare, obviously. So you're looking for the autographed cards, you're looking for, and what they'll do is they'll make what they call patch cards, where um, they'll take a piece of the uniform, cut it up, and then put it in a little piece of oh, the patch. I've seen that, card. I've seen that. Or, you know, they, they chop up the bat itself, and they have little pieces of the bat. So oh, that's dope. That's it's, dope. It's an absolute minefield when you start getting into this stuff, or you, you can actually, or, or you just go down the rabbit hole, or if you want to call it that, better. Because um, when I when I started collecting cards in the '80s, there are only three manufacturers that make cards, and so you know I was a big Kyrokin fan growing up. So each year there were two, three, four, maybe six Kyrokin cards. Now with Tops making. 20 some different types of cards each year and and then within that set there's 20 30 different parallel i mean it it could be if if you want to collect just one player i mean each year there's probably a thousand plus cards for that player every wow. year and it's, it's it's it can 
you can go down that rabbit hole. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think uh, regardless if uh, my listeners are into sports cards, we all know the rabbit hole of cards. <laughs> Collect any any collectibles. We all know about the rabbit hole. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I've been um, chasing the Dragon Ball sigs myself. Similarly, in Dragon Ball, we have a set of cards with the voice actors of those characters from the show that signed them. Ah, and oh um, yeah, they just go for astronomical amounts of money now and it's i just like all of us are kicking ourselves because when they came out years ago we were like oh whatever like they're cool you know well well, you know i thought they were cool so i kept one of each for myself and then yeah they were going for 30 40 50 60 dollars whatever now if you have a psa 10 of the goku it's like three to five grand it's insane and i'm like oh my good if i could have just had a bunch of these for like 50 bucks (laughs) it's crazy yeah, we all got that story of, oh, yeah, I sold that car for 25 bucks. And then now it's like, <laughs> you know, I had eight of them. I sold them for 25 bucks each, and I was happy to get that $25. Right, right. And now you look online, and if it's great at PSA 10, it's like a $6,000 yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, that could have been the down payment for my house now. <laughs> yeah. Except I was happy to get 25 bucks for it, you know, eight right. years ago. Right, right. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, that's cool though. And and it's cool too that I can tell you have the same passion that we have for Dragon Ball. Like even you said back when you started collecting, there was this one player and you were like, I just gotta have that player. And it's even cooler because if that player ends up, you know, you know, who making to the hall of fame or whatever, now you're sitting on a ton of cash. But even if he doesn't, you love that player. So you're happy either way. Um, which that's really like the best thing. That was a big thing that we've talked about is like, you have to collect what you love because it, if you're collecting just for the money, you're, you're just gambling. Like <laughs> you, you oh, never yeah, that's know. All that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I still, you know, you, know uh, you all probably call it the same thing in Dragon Ball world, but uh, you know, PC, it's what you personally collect. Yep. So uh, I'm, still to this day i mean you can see all my oriole memorabilia behind yeah, yeah. me I, it's it's i'm and everybody if if people at the shows don't know my name they know me as the oriole guy <laughs> and and you know that's what i personally collect now is still the oriole stuff and you know all this other stuff i'll, I'll get and i'll sell it but it's really just to feed my habit of uh getting more oil stuff <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's an endless cycle man it's an endless cycle yep. i literally just flipped all of my sigs um that i had because i i sent them off to get graded and they did very well so i was like so i flipped them and now i'm in the process of rebuying them back raw for <laughs> it's just like it's just an endless cycle i just oh <laughs> Oh man. So for people who uh, want to learn more about the event that you're having, how can they like find out more info or how can they like reach out to you or what, what can they do to learn more about it? Yeah. So the easiest way is a lot of our information is we put it through Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And the regular show that we run every month, if you just look on either on Facebook or Instagram, it's just Pembroke Bingo Hall Sports Card Show. Uh, that's the easiest way to to, to find us. Uh, we have a separate Facebook page for the Virginia Beach Sports Card Collectibles Expo that we're doing. But everything will probably come through the uh, Pembroke, either the Pembroke Show or 
you know, if we start doing these fieldhouse shows, hopefully on a quarterly basis, um, you know, I, I think as much as we are feeling out fieldhouse to see if it's viable for us to do multiple times, I think they're feeling us out just. Yeah, <laughs> just right, right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they've never done anything like this. Right. Uh, they, they do soccer events uh you know they're like hey we had a cornhole thing here one time you know <laughs> is it like that <laughs> yeah. oh that's you funny. know it's 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 a natural synergy because you know uh, most of our vendors are sports card vendors and here we are at this at this field house that's you know the largest sports indoor complex in virginia yep they got three soccer fields indoor soccer fields uh on one side and then the other side it's uh volleyball courts basketball courts they got stuff upstairs too so but you know what i've learned is that all these people that are into sports cards it's just not sports cards and vice versa so you know, a lot of the sports card collectors that we had coming in that were doing nothing with sports cars. Well, they're also coming and they're buying toys. They're buying uh, comic yep. books. Yep. So there, there's a blend in that world. Uh, not a lot of people are really just exclusive to one type of collectible. Once you, once you get into it, then the, the world is your oyster at that point. Oh, yeah. I agree. Well, I mean, it's just like me. Like I mainly right now at this point in time collect Dragon Ball. But yeah. this game has only been around for four years or something like that. So before then, I collected this game called The Spoils. Before that, when I was younger, I collected Yu-Gi-Oh! I collected Pokemon. Okay. And um, yeah. I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm from Philly, so I'm a big Eagles fan. So I also go. collect some different Eagles things. So that's why, like, when I go to the shows now, I'm trying to learn about the rarities and things of cards. Because eventually I'm going to try to – I'm going to chase a few Eagles cards. I just don't know what I want to chase yeah. yet. <laughs> Wait, I've got uh, here. I got something special for you. I'm, I'm oh, gonna be baby! Off I'm gonna be <laughs> off camera here for a second. So we actually had uh, William Fuller uh, come and sign autographs for us. Oh, I saw that. I was so sad. I didn't know. Oh, that's so, so cool. I've got a five by seven signed in his Eagles uniform. Oh, that's William dope. Fuller for you. So that 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 is my gift to you for being oh, an Eagle. Oh, being no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Man, wow. I was not expecting yep. that. Holy crap. Thank you. Oh my gosh. All right. If y'all were not already going to this event, now you have no excuse. <laughs> you see how genuine and kind um, Russell is. Show some support. Show some love. Come out to this Pembroke Sports Cards and Comics show, November 13th at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse. Russell, I'm going to put all of your info in this podcast episode description. So anyone who wants to go find you, they can click on the link for your Facebook or your Instagram. Um, but yeah, I now I really can't wait. I was already excited because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I, I, I man, I, I could talk about football all day. I love it. But I mean, um, we, we should hate each other because I'm a Washington fan. Uh, well, but, I mean, it could you, yeah. it could be the Cowboys. Like we, you yeah, know. yeah, we all hate the Cowboys. Yeah, we, so we can, we, you know, we all have, we all we have, have that, that common so ground. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing we can all agree on. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Any last shout outs or anything you wanted to say before we wrap up? Hey, one, I just want to uh, thank you for having us on today. Uh, and we're looking forward to having you as part of the show. Uh, you're going to bring uh, something a little different to it. 
And anybody that's out there in the collectible world, we've got sports card, comic books, uh, toys, action figures, Funko Pops, Hot Wheels. Uh, I know a guy that's going to bring some Dragon Ball Z stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, out and, hey. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we've got the autograph guest. And uh, if you can find the Russian from The Wire, he'll be more than happy to sign something for you, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, again, um, it was a pleasure having you on. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Turtle School Weekly Focus. All right, everybody. So time is here. We have the final segment of The Road to Nets. For the final edition, I had to bring one of my personal favorite players. This is someone who's been on the show before and someone that I've personally looked up to from early on in the game. Um, they're just have another level of plays and the way they think about lines. And uh, it is, he's just, everyone knows he's on another planet. It is the other half of John Carlo, the super Vegeta brother. We have Dr. Sublet on the show today. Welcome. <laughs> what's up jimmy how's it going <laughs> not not much man not much now we have to do this awkward thing where we pretend that we haven't just talked for 45 minutes and <laughs> yeah, <of course>. yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah how, how's your day man <laughs> oh yeah, it's been it's been a day certainly yeah. um yeah, yeah. <laughs> it had a beginning a middle and there's an end coming up too Nice, nice. Yeah, the uh, the beginning of my day was very interesting in the Discord, but it's uh, it's chilled out a lot, and it, it, things have gone a lot better since this morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are here today to talk about Soul Striker, the last of the series. I think, arguably, uh, I don't know if you've watched or listened to the last three episodes, but the last ones we did were Gogeta Zeno, Icarus, uh, that I did with Giancarlo. And then we most recently did Cell Surge. So I felt like the fourth to kind of top this whole series off would be Soul Striker. Um, do you agree that that's pretty much the, the premier blue deck to talk about? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I've done a lot of testing so far with blue and yellow. I'm not an aggro player, so I haven't tested aggro. Uh, but as far as the mid-range control aspect of the card game goes right now, the best blue leader is Soul Striker. It's just every other blue leader that exists does what Soul Striker does worse. Uh, you know, you look at the Kaba, for example, it's probably the closest competitor to Soul Striker. He untaps one energy when you play a card. Soul Striker untaps two when he attacks. Yeah, it's like um, Soul Striker with an extra step. <laughs> it, it basically is, yeah. And so you end up struggling for your hand size because you're doing a bunch of arrivals and you're untapping instead of drawing. And your deck is. Basically the same deck as a Soul Striker deck. Why not just put Soul Striker in the leader? Right, right. At, at, at that, yeah. probably more susceptible to Cell Surge as well. And uh, you don't don't want that oh, yeah. as the uh, going into Nats, <laughs> the boogeyman of the format. Mm, yeah, definitely, man. I think if you're going into Nationals, you should expect your deck to be able to handle Cell Surge and be able to handle the cards, cards the decks uh, directly countering Cell Surge. You should go to Nationals in your mind, eating Cell Surge and beating Red Aggro. I think that if you can't handle both of those decks with your deck choice, it after side decking or before side decking, it's time to it's time to pick a different deck. 
It's funny you say that uh, because we had a deck that we were working on and I've I've been through so many Nats decks at this point and I'm still like not set on one because I just am miserable this format. Uh, <laughs> but we've, we mm-hmm. just talked about that for half an hour. <laughs> so so we can better, you know, we, we got all the negativity out before the show. So now the listeners can just hear us be positive. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You but, think I don't have more negativity? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. All right. Well, well, sorry, 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 everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I literally threw out a deck list just recently because it was doing really well and it just couldn't beat red aggro. And I was like, yeah, I just can't play this deck. So uh, it is what it is. And yeah, so that's, that's good advice. Speaking of which, before we dive into soul striker um, and some, some just, you know, general good blue cards and things like that for Nats. You're very accomplished in Dragon Ball. I would say arguably one of the most accomplished players in the game uh, with just a long list of high-profile events that you've topped or won. Um, Do you have any, like, just good general advice for the listeners who are prepping? A lot of people, this is their first major event. You know, like, a lot. there's a lot of people who actually started playing during covid um, a lot, a lot of people in the discord too, that, you know, that they, they found about, they found out about our show and it kind of helped them to kick things into gear and they started doing well in, in webcam regionals. And now here they are prepping for Nats. Uh, do you have any advice for them getting ready for like their first major event, maybe even their first best of three event? Yeah, I do. Um, the, the best advice that I can give to a player who this is your first nationals, right? You, you started the game recently or within the last year or so. You worked hard. You got your invite and you're going to nationals. And you're probably putting some stress on yourself. You're probably worried that you're not going to top or you don't know what to play or you might be overwhelmed by the caliber of players you expect to see there. And the best advice I can give is you've already won. Your goal was to get to nationals. If this is your first Nationals, you've done it. Don't go into it thinking that you have to win or you have to place or you have to top or you have to do well. Go there for the experience. There is nothing in a card game like going to Nationals and getting to play in Nationals. You get so much free stuff for walking in the door. You get to experience this higher quality of play You get to be part of it. You are a part of it. You earned your spot there. If you go to nationals and you place number 500 out of 500 people, you still played in nationals. That is an accomplishment. So don't approach this with that kind of mindset. You know, Jimmy and I have that mindset right now. We're trying to figure out how to top, how to do well. But we've we've done things like this. We've been to card game nationals. We We've experienced this, and and so we are kind of over that, but you shouldn't be. You should go to Nationals for the experience. Be proud of yourself for your accomplishment of making it to Nationals. And if you do well at Nationals, even better. So don't put so much pressure on yourself, because when it comes down to it, that last round of Nationals, you don't want to be disappointed. You want to be proud of yourself regardless of the result. Yeah, I, I just got to grab a tissue real quick and wipe my eyes from how beautiful that was, Sublet. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree. That's 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 really, really sound advice. Um, 
the experience of going to an event, man, like I think back to the first ever event I got to go to. And like, that's just an experience I will never forget. Like I was with some of my best friends. We like did a ton of stuff. And most of my memories aren't like the plays I made in the tournament. It was like all of the friendships I made, all the people I was with. And just like you said, just being there was just so cool. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, like take it all in. Don't get so caught up in the competitive side of things that you lose sight of like what you're going there to do, because it isn't just just to be as competitive as possible and then be salty all day. If you didn't do as well as you expect it, like take the moment and just enjoy it. Like you're spending all this money to go out there. So just enjoy it. Like have fun. If you drop, it's whatever. There's an event the next day you can play in that I can guarantee you most people, they aren't even testing for, you're going to see all kinds of wild stuff. I mean, I don't know. I'm not testing for it. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's just, just go have fun, like enjoy it, you know, be around people that you like. And if you don't have people to go with, I'm going to actually maybe, uh, probably actually maybe after this episode drops, I'll put something in the discord server. It'll be a private Nats channel, uh, that you can sign up for if you're going to Nats and you will have a bunch of people in the discord that will also be there. So you can meet up with us at the event if you don't have anyone to hang out with. So you've got people there now if you didn't and just just enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. Um, all right. Cool. Well, moving back to to Soul Striker. Um, actually, before we do that, Sublet, I, I want to ask you this because I, <laughs> I almost forgot to ask my last guest this as well. But I'm asking everyone on this series this before we dive into the topic. If you had to pick three to five decks that you are most likely to see at Nats, what would those be? All right. Uh, well, let's, let's categorize this a little bit. So the, the deck that is the safest pick is Cell Surge. You're going to see sure, Cell Surge sure. because it received zero hits on the ban list. It really didn't receive any buffs from the new set, but that's an advantage, not a disadvantage, because that person doesn't have to grind to get the new cards. So you're going to have this influx of Cell Surge because the set releases the day before. Um, so you're going to see Cell Surge, guaranteed. Uh, and on the same coin, but on the other side of the uh, card game spectrum, you're going to see Gogeta Zeno. Another deck received zero hits from the ban list and zero support from the new set. So Some support from the new set, but not really. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of Gogeta Zeno because it's a safe pick. Players have been using it for a while. They know how to do it. And they don't need to grind for cards when they get there so they can play it. So you're absolutely going to see those two decks. You're going to see Icarus because a lot of the players who have been practicing a lot, let's go with that, have been finding Icarus to be a very good deck. Uh, has a very nice spread. doesn't have as high of a ceiling as it used to, but it has that consistency that you really want for a tournament like this. So you're going to see Icarus as a result. And in the same coin, you're going to see Soul Striker because Soul Striker, again, just has that consistency. Um, so, you know, those are four decks you should expect to see. And then you should expect to see the deck that counters the deck everybody thinks is going to be number one in the room, which would everybody thinks Cell is going to be the best deck in the room. So expect to see some hyper aggro decks that are going to exist. Uh, that your hyper aggro decks generally are going to revolve around Piccolo Jr., Eradicator Apiece, with some leader. I don't know. Insert leader name here. <laughs> right, right. Starter Vegeta, Red Broly, um, 
launch a deck that can use Piccolo Jr. Eradicator apiece, well, it's going to be a choice. Now, at that being said, there, there are five decks, or at least four decks and a deck type. Uh, there's no real clear answer as to which one's the best one, right? Uh, you, I agree. You pick, one of those, you pick one of those based on your play style. You like... Uh, be nice about it. Do you, do you like playing decks where just discard your opponent's hand, simplify the game state, and make it very easy to win the game without needing to think too terribly much in the later turns? What the Cell Surge? Uh, do you like playing decks like Vagex, but slightly worse? Um, basically decks where you can high roll or low roll and very little in between? Gogeta Zeno. Like Consistency? Play Soul Striker if you like con being consistent but still being slightly more aggressive. Or play Icarus if you like being consistent but slightly more passive. And then um, do you like turning cards sideways? Red Aggro. Yeah, that that is an excellent breakdown of I think what probably ninety five percent of competitive players are <laughs> going through this little <laughs> cycle of of what to play. Um, yeah, that, that, I hate it so much. Yeah, I keep bouncing. I bounce between Soul Striker and Icarus so much; it's so annoying. Yeah, yeah, I've I've probably at this point bounced through almost every one of them, <laughs> and I'm still not set on a deck. I just I cannot find a way to have fun this format, but this isn't an episode about how I don't like the format. I think I've complained about that enough. So one thing I do want to ask you is, well, one thing I'm happy about is you listed almost every deck that we've talked about on the road to Nats. So I think that's really cool. And I think that that is a good sign to listeners that I've now had um, Diego, who was the European national champ, uh, the most recent one. I had um, Giancarlo. I had... Armando and Nick on the last episode and you and everyone is essentially picking the same decks when I ask this question. Uh, so I think the only difference is some people have included red and some people have not. Uh, but other than mm. that, everything has been pretty consistent. So everyone is under the assumption that these are the decks that are going to be there. So that's a really good uh, sign for everyone listening that, okay, these probably are the decks I should be preparing for. And luckily that we've now talked about four of them. The only one we haven't really hit on is red. Um, but realistically they're aggro decks and not much has changed as far as strategies against aggro decks. So I think it's more important to talk about these other decks that can play a little longer and have some more intricate play lines. Uh, Absolutely. Or, or even if it's not playing the deck, it pl regardless playing against the deck, you know, um, a red aggro is the weakest of those five decks that I listed. It, it just, it beats cell it 50 fifties, Gogeta Zeno, and it loses to soul striker and Icarus. So if yeah. you're going to the event, I think you only pick red aggro if you expect to see four or more cell surges in yeah. your rounds. And part part really of prepping for Nats is making a call, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. that, that's just yeah. part of it, sadly. I don't like that that's the format we're in, but that's kind of part of it right now. It is. And realistically speaking, uh, this is still Dragon Ball. Storm format. I played against two Storm at Nationals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> When Raiders work, I was big, and everybody was playing the Broly Zeno Button Ape deck. I played against two of those at Nationals. <laughs> I expect to see two Cell Surge at Nationals. Yeah, Zach, I, uh, Zach on our team, top Nats, the first one, and he played one Storm all day. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, the I funny thing was his, almost his whole side deck was dedicated to it, so he just like never used mm -hmm. his side deck. 
<laughs> played against two of them. One of them I decked out. <laughs> I was not playing Janimba. I was playing a victory strike deck and I decked him out. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what victory strike deck were you playing? Were you playing Frieza? Yeah, U7 Frieza. Yep. His hand wasn't that good. He uh discarded two mirrors for his Harutagarn effect to draw two cards. He was at eight life, couldn't find a Bardock. I swung in with a critical Gohan for the heck of it, hit his third mirror, and I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm good. You're just going to sit here. You can't kill me now. I promise. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, cool. So the last question I want to ask you just about kind of the tournament in general is what percentage of the room, since we're talking about Soul Striker, do you think will be on the deck? Just, just oh, if you had to man. throw, if you have to throw a number out there, I know I didn't, I know I didn't prep you for this. I haven't prepped anyone for this question, but if you had to just pick a number. What percentage of the room would you guess will be on Soul Striker? That's such a wild question. I know. If I knew the answer to that question, I know what deck I would just, play. Just know everyone like, listening, but, if he's wrong, you can blame not doing well on him. Don't worry. He's taking oh, yeah, he's totally. taking full <laughs> I mean, if if 90% of the room is gonna listen to me on this, then I want zero percent to be on Soul Striker. <laughs> but um I, I had to it. guess. I think that Soul Striker is the safe play, uh, like the really safe call if you're not going to do sell. Mm, I would not be surprised if you had about twenty percent of the room on Soul Striker, maybe wow. thirty. Wow, thirty percent. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Mm -hmm. I think thirty of everyone I've asked—that's probably the highest number I've heard. I've heard a lot of people in the fifteen to twenty range when I've asked that question. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, could, but I, I don't think people people love to play blue. They do. People love to play blue. Um, blue has been a color in decks that have won every Nats. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah, I could. I could. I mean, if thirty percent of the room was on it, I'm, I'm not going to be like, "Wow, that's crazy," you know? Yeah. The real question comes in on which version, though. That's right. That's right. So. Wow, that's a really good segue. What can I you know. kind of break? <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like it was planned, but it wasn't. Uh, can you break down the two styles of Soul Striker for the listeners? Yeah. So um, I think really you have three different kind of Soul Strikers that exist. One of them is a little more lost in the mist. Um, so top two builds of Soul Striker are going to either be mono blue or blue yellow. Uh, Mono Blue is going to use things like the uh, Calamity Challenger, Apion, and Trunks. We're going to use the Trunks to bounce one drops back so they can search for the Tapion Unison, and they're going to use the Spirit Boost for drop double strike guy. They're just basically going to jam a bunch of 20Ks for, for two less energy each turn and win the value game in the long run. Probably in the game with a foo or potentially Android 17 turning the tide. Blue-yellow versions are a bit different in that they are going to be slightly more aggressive than you might expect. Uh, they're going to look to capitalize on the new Kefla SPR. Uh, SS2 Kefla Lightning Speed. I have a proxy of it right here in front of me, actually. <laughs> um, card is bonkers. Which is, card is bonkers. It's an 8-drop 30k that you arrival for 3 energy. And if your opponent has three or more energy, then you can discard a card and give it dual attack, even do cute stuff additionally, depending on what you discard. 
those builds are probably going to focus on unisons along the lines of the Gogeta dual attack 20k, and they're going to basically try to end the game around turn four. Uh, probably have Foo because every Soul Striker will as a top end, but realistically looking to kill you before that. But you're going to have your blue decks, which probably kill around five or six. You're going to have your yellow decks, which are looking to kill around four. Uh, really can capitalize on a turn three if you mess up against them. And then you're going to have these off the wall builds of Soul Striker, like Blue Black, for example. Looking to play SS4 thwarting for two energy instead of four. Pretty good. Right. Um, ultimately, though, that version is going to be the worst one because if you go against a blue deck, it's going to catch a Godsu. If you go against a blue yellow deck, it's going to catch a Zamasu, tap it down. And if you go against a yellow deck, it's going to catch a Steadfast Goku, tap it down. So you're not going to see a lot of that. And in fact, this uh, format is not friendly to boss monsters. Which is quite an interesting place. It puts Soul Striker in an interesting place. Soul Striker is one of our best boss monster decks that we have available anymore. And most boss monsters are just getting tapped down when they come down. Uh, Bandai's moving away from giving boss monsters deflect, which is great. And so you're gonna you're gonna start to see these things like uh, let's say Foo. Foo is the best boss monster in the yeah, game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you go against a blue-yellow deck that is a blue leader like Soul Striker, you're going to God Seal it. Uh, if not, they could Frost Deadly Poison it. If you go against a yellow deck like Icarus, I'm glad that you have that Foo. It's cute, but I can Steadfast it all on a counterplay window, tap it down, and draw a card. Uh, so you're not killing me with the Foo. So, right, right. So if you better Foo have a board that I've been controlling this whole game. <laughs> exactly. So that should put it in perspective. If Foo, if Foo is the best boss monster, it's not even that good right now. Where does that put a deck like Soul Striker? It puts it in a position where Blue Yellow is probably the best call. Uh, because you're going to want to get in under anything that might be able to stop you. You're going to want to be a little bit more aggressive, punish Cell Surge, which is one of your worst matchups, and still be able to go toe-to-toe with things like Red Aggro and Gogeta Xeno. Yeah. So, and I mean, one thing that, and it's funny because even though, you know, you're saying Foo isn't good, it's still being mentioned as like this card, right? So like everyone is saying Foo because the card is just that powerful that if you don't have the answer for it, you're probably going to lose that turn. Like in what world do they play Foo optimally and you lose? Uh, I mean, and, you, and the other player wins, right? So yeah. the fact that you have all these answers to Foo, I think is huge for the format. Oh, yeah. I mean, Foo is broken if your opponent's red or black, but if they're not, then they're losing. And uh, Foo's not really that amazing. Sucks to be um, me. Uh... <laughs> I, uh, I think that at Nationals, we're going to see a lot of yellow and blue leaders that have access to things that stop Foo. And Cell Surge has access to the best way to stop Foo, which is your opponent has no cards in hand and four energy. <laughs> yeah. So. Realistically speaking, in this format, Foo is not the most spectacular card. And so again, a, a deck like Mono Blue Soul Striker kind of loses its win condition in a way. And so that, that's why I think, I think Blue Yellow is going to be your best Soul Striker option, just for the ability to pivot between mid-range or aggro. Yeah, you're gonna I, see- I agree. I, I agree with that. And then you have Mono Blue for its consistency, and then... Other versions of Soul Striker might exist. You know, you might have a red blue or some cheeky stuff like that, but this is Nationals. If you come to Nationals trying out a cheeky deck, 
I hope you do well. I genuinely <laughs> do. Uh, Nationals is not like one of the webcam regionals. We're not going to see a lot of innovation. We're going to see people going with the tried and true because prizes are absurd. Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge prizing on the line. So I, I, I agree with that as well. Um, okay, cool. So I think that's a good breakdown. I was wondering if that was the third one you were going to bring up. I assume that you were going to talk about mono blue and blue <laughs> yellow. I was wondering what the third one you'd bring up would be. Because I feel like blue black is is like moderately close to the realm of blue red as far as how many I'd even expect to see. I, I don't know if you disagree with that, but zero zero yeah big zero yeah so um so yeah i agree i think the two main ones if you're like okay i got to prep for soul striker i mean by the time you're listening to this podcast you've got maybe a week week and a half until you until you fly drive whatever to nets um, <laughs> you know uh you probably at least want to play against blue and blue yellow you know playing against the other mm-hmm. ones i don't think it matters as much to have that experience if you just need to get some experience in those are probably the two so that being said, we've talked about how they're winning, right? So Blue Yellow has access to Kefla. How do you feel about the Goku Black card? I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've personally liked it a lot. Um, we talked very briefly about it before the show, and you had a pretty interesting perspective. So it, just share your thoughts on that card. All right. So the Goku Black, it's the four-drop Epochal Schemer, the one that summons four tokens that are blockers for the turn. Uh, card is amazing, right? Uh, auto, you, at the end of your turn, you untap a blue-yellow. You get four blockers, so you, in a sense, baby-hatch your opponent unless they have secret identity. Problem. You're going to have secret identity. Every deck right now that is not Cell Surge is main-decking secret identity. because he's just A lot really of it is because at, of that card. <laughs> it, it can be, yeah, but he's just really good at the moment. And so that's well, an well, issue. We've got it. all the tax men, right? Yeah. Additionally, there are problems associated with running this card in Soul Striker because it untaps the energy at the end of your turn. Meaning, when your opponent side decks in answers for your leader's effect, it is going to also hit the Goku Black, which makes Goku Black slightly worse in Soul Striker, going into games two and games three. So that's a problem with it. The biggest problem with the card, though, and I saved it for last, is that the tokens don't work. Half the time. In fact, I would say a good 65-70% of the time that I played Goku Black, the tokens have not worked. Uh, against blue, they just discard a god seal. There they go. Against yellow, they play a blocker that can now block the Goku Black and tap all the tokens down. The uh the steadfast Goku right. taps all the tokens for one energy and draws a card. That is not a good energy exchange. Uh that's a problem. Oh, you're going to see a lot of those cards. You're going to see a lot of God Seal at Nationals. You're going to see a lot of Steadfast at Nationals. Uh, I hope I hope you don't see that much Steadfast personally, because then it means that my Steadfasts are going to do better. But ultimately, Goku Black is very cool and very good in theory. But in practice, he has niche matchups where he is king and other matchups where he is energy. And much like Fu, the matchups where he's king are decks like red decks and black decks, which don't have very many good answers for it. Don't really see a lot of secret identities in Gogeta Xeno. Before blockers, it, it does a good job. It does a really good job, especially if you're yellow or blue and you can back that up with a god seal or whatever answer they might have. But still, uh, 
Goku Black is a great card. He's a great blue-yellow card, but if you if your deck's win condition revolves around him, you may want to reevaluate it, especially going into games two and three. Yeah, yeah. And we talked on the last episode about um I think it's Hidden Power of the Saiyans. <laughs> I think we had actually brought it up uh, before then. Oh god. <laughs> Have to pitch eight cards. <laughs> yeah. Um if you go against Cell and they have two energy open, don't play Goku Black. Yeah, just please don't. Just only off chance they mained it, dog. Like I'm too scared. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. unless you're on stream, please do it. I want to see it happen. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the card Giant Ball? Well, you sir are the epitome of that card. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right, cool. Well, that that's that's definitely interesting about that card. Uh, definitely raised some really good points about how many. The, the card on paper is just so amazing, but just raising the point of how many counters are in the format, I think definitely makes people think a second time just about how they're evaluating that in their decks. So I think that's really good to know. Um, now you said that Soul Striker, if it is, um, you said you said it's usually it, it's kill turn if it's blue yellow, you're going for like turn four, right? Mm-hmm. So as far as turn four goes, can you walk the listeners through what that turn? Just relatively, obviously it can change, but just relatively, what is what is the goal here? What is your end game? How exactly are you winning? All right, so it actually starts on turn three. Uh, turn four, you're usually just cleaning up. Turn three is where you actually put in all the work. So let's say you're an average Soul Striker player. You have a blue-yellow charged and two mono-blue. You charge your second mono-blue on turn three. You play something like a SS3 Gogeta Super Warrior Evolution. That's the dual attack, 20k, minus one, bounce two cards, three cost unison. You play it, you awaken, and you attack with your leader. You get two energy back. You then, Sensu Bean, combo a card, a rival Kefla. Uh, that's terrifying, first off. You have now- <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, good lord. <laughs> So you have now presented a leader swing, two unison swings, and two Kefla swings if you went second. Uh, If you went first, you're doing this on turn four. Basically the same thing, except you already have the unison. So you have more energy to play with. Right. Um, Oh, with this, also on top of this, you can can arrival in, depending on how many Sensu Beans you have, any number of Goku hits or Vegeta Kaba lessons learned on top of that. But just with this, you presented a leader swing, two unison swings, and two Kefla swings, possibly tapping down their energy as well. So by the time that turn is done, your opponent might survive. They might not. There's been a lot of times they haven't. But if they do survive, they're probably at about two life. And so your next turn on four energy, they either have to win, they they either kill you, which they probably can't, um, or they have to stop your turn with some kind of crazy floodgate that God Seal doesn't stop. Uh, so with that in mind, turn four usually simply looks like I will play something like a boonie or I'll do some Tapion Calamity Challengers, maybe another Kefla. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe another Kefla, uh, or two Keflas potentially. Turn turn four can be two Keflas. You swing your unison, combo any card that, uh, facilitates like combo a, uh, hit rapid movement, arrival in a Kefla. When you swing with your leader, you can get two blue back since you've been a rival another Kefla. Kefla's limit one as far as gaining dual attack, but she's not limit one as far as having two on your board. 
Yeah. Um, and so Not wrong. you can push a lot of damage with this blue yellow deck on early turns. That's kind of what a kill turn is going to look like. It's basically clean up. Your turn three, you're going in, and your turn four, you're kill you're just closing it up yep okay that makes a lot of sense and shameless plug early on in the pod um when tapion was revealed and we started talking about the new cards we let everyone know that tapion is busted and to pick it up and in the discord if another reason to join the discord um your boy john carlo told everyone yo this tapion is like a dollar everyone needs to buy it right now <laughs> <laughs> and uh i hope everyone listened and if you're not in the discord now you know another benefit because we do let people know about cards before they spike <laughs> but yeah that that card is really good and it looks cool if you have the spr that's that's always points for me like if my deck doesn't look good i have to strongly consider if it's really an option like do i really want to look mm -hmm. at this for eight rounds i don't know i don't know <laughs> but I, I would definitely of course get a tape on. in front of me is spr yeah <laughs> um okay cool so that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that helps a lot of people to understand a little bit more about how the deck is going to win and kill people. Uh, before we start talking about more specific matchups, how to play against it in games two and three, and also how you are pivoting in games two and three as Soul Striker, are there is there just anything else that you would like to talk about on surface level or even any more intricate play lines maybe before your turn uh, before your kill turn that you may need to consider before we kind of jump into more specifics of the deck and how it pairs up uh yeah so like every blue deck before it soul striker will capitalize or punish you or your sequencing if you're going to play a deck like soul striker you need to sequence things correctly otherwise you might just end up wasting a leader swing, for example, or losing a leader swing. Uh, it's very important if you're going to play a deck like this to get your sequencing down. Understand what you can do. Soul Striker can extend very far because of that untapped two energy. Maybe when you're looking at the deck, think about what can one bean do for me? What can two beans do for me? Um, what can three beans do for me? Usually win the game. So... It's very important when you're using any kind of blue deck, but especially Soul Striker, to learn sequencing. Can you it's can you give an example of a proper way to sequence? Uh, yeah, so let's say you're up against a yellow deck, right? And you've got four energy open, and you're, you're questioning, do you swing with a unison first, or do you play a battle card, right? So let, let, let's say we just got a leader, a unison, and four energy. Uh, the opponent has one mono yellow energy open. So, if you swing Unison first into their leader, playing nothing, it can Zamasu your leader down, and you lose that ability. If you play a battle card and then attack with leader, it can power of a Super Saiyan, tap your Unison down. Okay. So, if you let, let's say you tap all four energy for a Goku Black, they could tap their one energy for a blocker. Uh, there, there are a whole bunch of different outcomes, and you kind of need to understand which one punishes you more. So, for example, if you have a four drop that you have to play for some reason, maybe it's Goku Black and you really need some kind of blocker on the board because you're afraid you're going to die the next turn, you probably have to play the Goku Black first and swing with your leader. Right. And just eat the, PO eat, eat the POSS on your unison. Uh, you could risk it. 
depending on what you see. If they're down two super combos and they're down zero POSS. That, and that's not a piece of shit. That, that's power of a Super Saiyan. Power of a Super Saiyan, yes. <laughs> They can be a little bit interchangeable, but you know. <laughs> it, it does get tiring to say uh, power of a Super Saiyan a hundred times. So we just call it POS. Uh, it might be better to play around the POS. Um, but that's what I mean. And these kinds of sequencing things, I can't exactly tell you how to do them right now. You have to be in the moment. They're all... These micro decisions that are based on your board state, your opponent's board state, what's in the drop areas, what's in your hand. It's it's difficult to actually give you an exact answer. And because no. of that, you ahead, kind of get an idea. Yeah, because of that, you get an idea of the skill level that the deck's going to require. Uh, if you're not good at making micro decisions in the moment, Soul Striker might not be a deck for you. Uh, Icarus would be along the same lines. It might not be a deck for you. It might be better to go to the room with Gogeta Zeno because your micro decisions don't matter as much. Yeah, and I think one I think one of the most valuable things you said that I hope people take away from, especially if they're newer to the deck, either playing it or against it, is you have to understand how valuable the untapped two energy is to your deck. So you never mm -hmm. want to sacrifice that in trying to make another play, if there's a, you know, if there's really any probability that that gets taken away from you, you probably want to set yourself up so you can get that. Unless for some reason, like you've said, you've analyzed it and no matter what you get punished more by doing that, which I think is very few case scenarios, that should definitely be a priority. How do I, how do I maximize value out of every turn? Cause I've, that's when I think of like value based decks, like really milking value out of a turn, soul striker is up there for me when I think about that. Uh, another play, uh, just a common play that I see mishandled in Soul Striker, is deals with Saiyan Instincts. Saiyan Instincts is, of course, the yellow ape that if he's in your drop area, you can pay to, warp him, draw to. Uh, when you're going into turns like four or five, generally you want one of these in your drop area so that you can tap two and then swing with your leader first to play around Floodgates. And so... Because by the time you get to turn four and five, floodgates are real. They're, they're realistic. Uh, your baby hatches, your pans, your topos and oceanus, things that are going to punish your leader if he's not the first thing to attack. So a lot of times I'll see players burn a Saiyan Instincts early when there are other plays they could have made. Or I'll see them recklessly Saiyan Instincts and tap out because there's like, there's no way they're going to kill me. That might be true. But then the following turn, because they had to combo their entire hand away not to die, they now have nothing to play. And then you'll see them just swing with leader to draw a card and miss on the untap. Um, or they will negate an attack when they should have just let it go through and combo the Saiyan Instincts off to get it in the graveyard. You want to maximize value with Saiyan Instincts. You want to use it to defend. You, you never want to be comboing Saiyan Instincts offensively Unless it's your yellow to a rival something. I'm so happy you said that because I've also seen that a lot. And it brings me back to if, if anyone watched the Hermit Style World Tournament, um, Sublet, you and I commentated. Giancarlo also commentated some. But one thing I think we all talked about as we were watching the players go through their games is there were a lot of plays made that felt like they were made just because the player felt like they had to do something. 
And I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect example. Sometimes when that say, when you're looking at saying instincts in your hand, you're like, I got to use it right now. <laughs> you're like, I have to draw these two. And like, you, and like, someone said it perfect. You don't like, like we're here to tell you, you don't have to, if that's not an optimal play at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, if you go against Cell Surge with Soul Striker, don't combo the ape off. Let them <laughs> yeah, discard let, it. Let them discard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let them discard it. Yep. Yep, for sure. For sure. Good good tip that uh, can be definitely <laughs> going tangent with what like, we talked about last week. You'll see that all the time, though. You'll see uh, Soul Striker goes first. They have two energy. They've got an ape. They're like, this is my chance to draw two cards. So they'll attack, combo the ape, and then warp it and draw two. Um, why you're against cell, you, your energy, not that big of a deal. <laughs> you're going to find a lot of turns. You have more energy than you ever needed. And the earlier you burn an ape, the worse off you are because they're just going to kill it off in their, uh, awaken turn. So it's just, it's really important to not do things like that again. When you're in a match, you want to maximize the value you get off Saiyan Instincts. Saiyan Instincts is already nuts in this deck. It is, for all intents and purposes, zero mana draw to. It's yep, so good. Yep. It doesn't even cost the card in your hand. It is a plus two in Soul Striker. My God. But if you combo it offensively, it is a plus one. Now, yep, if exactly. You, yep. If yep. against Cell Surge, you combo it offensively, it is a... It, even worse because of all the cards <laughs> they're going to discard right um so you know just another bit of advice with saying instincts is maximize the value you gain from the card yep yep i def i definitely agree there so uh why don't we use that as a really good way to transition into some of the more specific matchups how how do you feel about cell surge versus soul striker who do you think has the edge so um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I think Cell just naturally has the edge in any blue matchup for the most part. Yeah, I have seen games where Soul Striker has resolved three Saiyan instincts and still lost their entire hand. It's rough, man. Um, it's rough. It's really rough. So the problem, it, it, first off, it strongly depends who goes first or second. But if you are the Soul Striker player and you do not see Saiyan instincts, there is a chance that the cell can take your entire hand before you can play a unison. That's bad. <laughs> That's really bad because now you have to top deck a unison. And while saying instincts is fantastic, it's not going to save you in the long run. Uh, you're still going to lose your hand a lot. And so if there are, if you're at eight life, that's the only saving grace in the cell matchup is that they're going to have to seven to zero you. They will. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted. They will. But your only saving grace is that you are blue and you have bombs in your deck. And so you can top deck a bomb. Yeah. Uh, but it's so important in that matchup to have a unison that draws a card and is hard to kill and to see your Saiyan instincts and to probably main deck Deborah. Yep, make a couple and, prayers. Uh. <laughs> yeah, cross your fingers, hope for the best. It, it's your worst matchup because your leader doesn't take his own life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. Um, it really is. You can awaken early if you see a unison. That's fantastic. But if you don't, that's a problem. And it, you're going to have to main deck for it. You have to main deck for self. Uh, understand going into the event 
uh, you need to have four Saiyan instincts and likely three Deborahs in your deck uh, as your main deck options against the deck because it is that bad and because of the new time rules game two might go a little longer than it probably should. So, yep. yeah, so main deck for it, uh, your soul striker. If you draw Deborah, tap three, play it, draw two cards, then swing with your leader and untap two of those energy. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Um, it's much better having three Deborah in your deck against a deck that's not sell and having zero Deborah in your deck against a deck that is sell. Yep, yep. I can't agree more with you. That is, I think that deck is definitely the problem. So let's talk about some of the other decks then. Um, okay. You mentioned that Icarus is in a way similar, right? They're two consistent decks. One's a little more offensive. One's a little more defensive. Who do you feel has mm-hmm. the edge there? Oh, man. It is strongly dependent on the skill level of the players. Okay, so let, let's say skill's even. Whoever goes first, probably. Yeah. Whoever, sees, whoever sees the better cards. It if feels you, very even close, this, right? It's, it's extremely close. Uh, they're very much similar decks. It's Soul Striker is a little more aggressive, and Icarus is a little more passive. That's the main kind of difference between them. What Soul Striker gains from its untapped two energy Icarus naturally has in cost reduction. So, for example, Soul Striker untaps two energy so that it can have some kind of counterplay online that costs two or three energy, counterplay or counterattack. Icarus costs one. <laughs> has, they, co- they cost one through the course of the game because Repose, Robotic Repose, the Frieza, and uh, Goku Steadfast, the new counterplay option, reduce their costs. So, you find that you've got very comparable levels of things and soul striker has to burn god seals on turles otherwise icarus is going to take that board the uh the problem soul striker has in the icarus matchup is board control icarus has a much easier it's so crazy that yellow actually has board control now but yellow can remove battle cards much easier and yellow can that turles is a wild card a man. Soul <laughs> yep. i was so surprised yellow. when i read it <laughs> so good and yellow can punish soul striker because of power of a Super Saiyan and Zamasu. So that matchup's going to be very close. Um, win the dice roll, win game one. That's all I can say. Here we go, baby. Uh, I'll be saying, uh, Hermit-style dice, loaded dice. You can pick them up here. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's very important. Look for moments to capitalize. Icarus taps out, go in. <laughs> That's how it is. Uh, understand that Pan's a card, and Icarus is probably on it. If they tap out, they probably have a pan. So battle card goes first. Um, just gotta keep that in mind. If you're blue yellow, and your your Keplas are never gonna work. They're always gonna get tapped down. They're always gonna die to a max power or a tireless. So you're gonna have to use your unison for your aggression more. Yeah, that that uh, is rough with two Fs, as I like to say. It is, and so again, just. Understand those exchanges. Be ready for a long game. And if you're bad at long games because the micro decisions you make incorrectly stack up over time, hope to dodge it because it really, it really is going to be a tough matchup. Yeah. Uh, I will say that it is generally in Icarus's favor, though, but very slightly. Micro decisions will flip that easily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then the last one I want to ask your opinion on before we move into side decking and prepping for games two and three is how do you feel about the Gogeta Xeno matchup versus Soul Striker? 
Oh, man. So that that one's just like out of your hands. If they mill like a god, they mill like a god. You know, you can't stop Exodia sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but there are ways to handle it. Uh, I will say that the blue-yellow matchup has a much better Gogeta Xeno than the mono-blue. Yeah. Mostly based upon the fact that you just go in early with a Kefla. The added aggression really is hard for Gogeta Xeno to handle. And your ability to bottom deck any of their cards is very strong because lessons learned off the back of a Zamasu can get rid of a one-drop and Kefla can get rid of anybody. So... It's not too bad. It's not, it's not unwinnable by any means. It's not, no. Soul Striker has the advantage because on average, Gogeta Xeno is not going to mill that well. And so unless they, unless they just, Jesus, take the wheel, there it is, all five off the top of their deck, a Goku, a Vegeta, a Unison, a Kai, and a Trunks to come to their hand, uh, Soul Striker generally does have the advantage in that. Match. At which point you're deciding whether to call a judge or not. <laughs> <laughs> mm, if it happens twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alfredo? Uh... <laughs> uh, oh, pulling the old Alfredo. Gotta love it. Hey, if they pull an Alfredo, can you pull a Silk Fifth Super Combo? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh so that matchup's not that bad. Uh, the tax that you expect to pay off of the Vegeta is much worse than the Goku. So keep that in mind. Uh, if your opponent plays a Vegeta and they swing with it, kill it. Kill it, kill it, kill it. Everything you can attack with attacks that Vegeta and kills it. Uh, Goku's not that bad. You don't run that many negates. And so whenever you're given an option of which one to remove, it's probably Vegeta. Yep, yep. And just... You gotta go. Just keep it. You gotta go. Yeah, and just keep in mind that their deck is kind of main decked against you. I, that's what I was gonna so, say. That's that's what sucks. It's like they main deck a card that used to be like a side deck card, right? Like it's just yep. in there. Yep. However, if you are the blue yellow version, which I have said a few times now, I think is the better version anyway. And your Gogeta Unison minus one puts them back in the hand. Yep. So it's. And then attacks their leader twice, and they don't have Sensu Bean. Don't really have that much in the way of turn ending the gates. So a 20k coming at their face is burning their super combo. Yeah, that, that definitely helps. So the blue yellow match is going to have a bit of an easier time, honestly. The uh, the mono blue match struggles. Yeah, it, it struggles a bit, and that that is um, kind of just the territory. I again, it kind of just comes down to I don't recommend the mono blue version. <laughs> yeah. I think people might have started off more hopeful at the start of the episode to where we've gotten to, uh, but that's good, right? It's good to, to really break this down and try to break down the format and make the best decision for you. And maybe your predictions are different than ours and maybe you come to a different conclusion on your own, but at least mm -hmm. this helps to break down. These are how we think these matchups go from our testing. So that's uh no, it's all, it's all really good advice. So with let, let's let's kind of pull back a little bit and, and run back through these as far as playing in a best of three event. What kinds sure. of cards are we siding to help with some of these matchups that are not favored or to hopefully help swing it in our favor if if we lose game one? If you lose game one or if you win game one? Because if you win game one, Oceanus comes in. Um, 
unfortunately. I hate I hate the new time rules, but uh, regardless, you're, so, you're going right, to side. Hold on, let's pause. Let's pause. Let's pause. How? Because <laughs> we we you already started the conversation, so I was going to bring it up later. We might as well have it now. Um, all right. So, in your opinion, how many people are siding to if they win game one, play the longest game two possible? Like, let's just be every real. Single, every single cell surge in the room, um, and likely most Icarus and Soul Strikers. Only an aggro deck can't do that because yeah. they're, they're winning or losing in 10 minutes. So essentially um, every deck except like Kojita Zeno and the red aggro decks, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Really, yeah. God. They're the only, honestly, they're the only people going to that tournament to expect to play two games each round. So frustrating. I, I hate it. It's so it frustrating. And, and uh, if you're listening to this, it is not wrong side deck things like Oceanus Shinron in your cell surge deck if you expect that game one is going to go long. It is not wrong to side in any kind of burst in case it goes to a game three because that's how the time rules are. It is wrong to slow play and to do it purposefully. If you are a cell surge player, you have a close game with a soul striker, they're going to go long. It's just that, that 35 minutes or something. Uh, and you side in Oceanus because there's nothing wrong with that. And then you take 30 seconds to Mulligan, and you take 30 seconds on your first turn to pick out of the top five. And then you take 30 more seconds, look at your hand, and then pass. And then you repeat that over and over and over again. You take 30 seconds between each and every single action you take. That is where you are wrong. That is where you have crossed the line. So you can you can take advantage of the new time rules without taking advantage of players. The other person. Or the, yeah. Yeah, Again, I, I agree. If game one goes 40 minutes, game one went 40 minutes. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, and you can side in cards to slow the game down, but you yourself cannot be the thing slowing the game down. Right, Oceanus takes a long time. To get that, <laughs> uh, and your opponent might have to think, and then that's on them. If your opponent is going really slow and they lost game one, yeah, that's on whatever. Them. <laughs> uh, hey, take all the time you want, my friend. Yeah, that's on you. Don't and in stress. Fact, as, a side note, <laughs> as a side note, if you lose game one, it's speed round time. You oh, need to start making flying. Pace. Yeah. Um, so yeah. With all of that in mind, um, so you win game one. You're siding in Oceanus. Is there anything else you're siding in to help yourself in game two? Uh, so that's matchup dependent, of course. Right. Uh, if you're against an aggro deck, you know Oceanus is going in anyway. Uh, if you're against like Cell, for example, they're probably main decking BMS at this point, but if they're not, they're definitely side decking it. You might want to side deck an answer for BMS, something along the lines of a crisis crusher. Because uh, it's got to die. <laughs> it's yeah. got to yeah, die. It's got to go. Um, also, might want to side in a fourth Deborah, just in case. Uh, you want to side in things like striving to be the best against any eradicator of peace decks because. They don't have an answer for that. <laughs> that's oh, that's sad. Yep. Um, and if you won game one and they're going first, you want to side the Kai at uh, counterplay. They can't swing with two drops. 
right. correct, I guess. Um, th those are your options. And definitely, if you're going second, you might want some kind of aggressive play style change. Uh, if you can side in aggression or main deck aggression, that's really important. Okay. And you're saying uh, that's more if you've lost game one. That's more if you've lost. Yeah, it's really important. Okay. And then you also want to consider counter side options. So your opponent, a side deck in Borgos or Weiss or Vegeta if they're black, uh, you're going to side deck in cards that punish your leader. Oh, you need to have answers for cards that answer you. Uh, the counter counter, right? So again, Crisis Crusher is a very decent choice for that because they're normally one drops and they, they all die to Crisis Crusher. Uh, just make sure you use Crisis Crusher like a removal spell. You need to play it the turn you're using it and not before. Yep. Because uh, it'll just die. Um, it'll get warped. <laughs> yes, it will. And then basically you're just going to adjust the play style of your deck for what you're up against. If you need to go faster, you need to adjust your ratios and your play style for being faster. Maybe side in some more aggressive unisons. Like if you're if you're main decking uh, the Tapion unison, for example, I want to side in some Gogeta unisons just to be more aggressive. Or if they're an aggro deck, you might want to side in Raditz, the blocker, just to not die. Um, Turning the Tide is a very good card for your main deck. If your opponent saw it at all, side it out. Yep, because, doesn't matter. They're going to have Jiren. Because they're going to have Jiren, and so you just take 17 out. Uh, that's kind of why I think it's silly to side deck Jiren at all. Then if you're in top cut and they get to look at your deck list and they see you don't have Jiren. Mm. <laughs> 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 damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but at that point, if you're in top cut, hey, I'll take an L. Yeah, Let's yeah, go. yeah. Fair enough. Is that you say? 16th place? Mm, sounds good to me. <laughs> that's kind of how side decking is going to go. And right. um, definitely side deck Oceanus because it's a good card. Soul Striker should side deck Oceanus, even if the time rules weren't asinine. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oceanus is a great card. Mm -hmm. For sure. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, cool. So I think that, that should definitely help people with side decking. I had more side deck questions, but you kind of just went right through them all as you gave your explanation. So that was really great. So, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was great. I just, you were, you were running with it. So I was like, hey, go, go with it, man. <laughs> um, no, that was, that was perfect. So, as far as I guess kind of the last part of this is let's say you, you decide after going through all of this, you thought about really what you've said, right? With the micro decisions and just said, well, soul striker isn't for me. Mm -hmm. It's still a deck that people need to prep for. So what kinds of cards are we side decking to help? Like does cell surge even need to side deck anything. Yes. Uh, if you're not main decking BMS, you're definitely side decking BMS. And I think that's probably just coming in at most games is Cell Surge for the most part. Uh, also, Cell Surge has the cheekiest side deck for Soul Striker. It's obnoxious. Uh, so, Android 17 or Super 17 uh, Heck Fighter. <laughs> I, I know. Ha 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 ha. I don't trust. <laughs> ha ha. Heck Fighter. Oh. Um, <laughs> So here's how here's how it goes. Uh, you win game one or you lose game one. Cool. Uh, the Cell Surge player is going to side in this card, this Android 17, which crits you from eight to four. It crits yep. you. And then it is a 30K critical 
When it attacks, they draw a card and tap two of your cards. Uh, so the way it works, the surge player is going to do its normal stuff, establish unison on three. On turn four, they're going to charge a yellow, and that's how you know you've lost the game. Uh, so they charge that yellow because the 17 requires a single yellow energy and two green energy to be successor. They'll have any dude on their board, and uh, this is where you might have messed up into a Frieza. Your opponent uh, plays a Frieza because they kill one of your things with a unison or something. And then they don't attack you with it. They leave it there, and you know, you know what's coming. They use their uh, the cell. Did you know it has another effect? The nine drop that they work from their drop oh, area yeah. to add up to from life and draw a card? It has another effect. <laughs> you kill your board, and you play it. Then it's a uh, zero mana, 30k, nine drop. Now let, let's repeat uh, that. This card is free. <laughs> card is free. And incidentally, did you know that the Android 17 that is that has successor, it's also a nine drop. So they will then turn that into the Android 17, crit you from eight to four. You probably have zero cards in hand. You've lost the game. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you played right into it by playing battle cards and letting them get that Frieza off, but you didn't have a choice because they were going to discard it anyway. You had to try to win. So yeah. that that's an important thing to look out for. I think also, that's why um, I don't mean to cut you off. I think that's you're good. I think that's why it is so important because you mentioned this earlier in the episode that you main heavily for cell search, right? Because oh, yeah. game two becomes 100%. so much more difficult in an already horrid matchup for you. Yep. So basically, if you're going to nationals, you're not playing cell surge or you're not playing mindless red aggro. Uh, you should essentially follow a very simple uh, logic path here. And it is main deck for Cell Surge, side deck for aggro. And the reason that you want to main deck for Cell Surge and side deck for aggro, even though aggro, anti-aggro tools are better universally, is because Cell Surge wins game one and game two doesn't, game two goes to time. It's just, that's unfortunately a fact of life at Nationals. And so your side deck didn't matter. It made zero difference in the world. And if you're going against an aggro deck, they're going to either win or lose in 10 minutes. And so that, that one's going to go to game three. Uh, so that's kind of the logic behind it. You want a side deck against aggro and main deck against Cell Surge. Yep. Cell Surge knows that. They're going to main deck Black Mass Saiyan. But that also kind of slows them down a bit and puts them off tempo. Especially if they want to save the BMS for the turn that they're going to discard a bunch of cards from your hand. That's one less energy. That actually matters a lot when all of their stuff costs two energy, and your deck might be doing a lot of damage to them. You might not have that, uh, that ability to play that Black Mass Saiyan. Right. So, right. So that's just something to think about and to consider when you're going in and we're talking about side decks and main decks, or any deck in general, is you want to be able to beat Cell Surge out of your main deck. If you're Cell Surge, want to be able to beat cell surge out of your main deck so <laughs> we're going to see a lot of cell surge decks checked out to beat the mirror match as well yeah. uh which means which means good tidings for the aggro players your cell surge has made their deck list worse enjoy have we mentioned this format is dumb uh <laughs> what? no this format is so much fun i i love i love using my set 11 liter 
Step 15. Oh my gosh. Much fun. All right. So, uh, all right. So let's go on to soul striker versus Icarus. Um, as the Icarus player, are, are we just siding in untap hate or are there other techs we want? Uh, so let's see. The main thing you're going to side in is going to be Whis. Uh, when, when I say Whis, I'm talking about God hate destruction Whis, the untap yeah. hate. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're probably going to put in things like max power, Kamehameha, depending on what color they're using, if they're mono blue or if they're blue yellow. And you're going to be, if you're not main decking it, you're going to side in things like Android 17 and 18, Bringers of the Apocalypse, and uh, Frieza Divine Transformation. These cards just dookie on blue. Straight up. (laughs) Frieza is so good. I remember Mike used to get so mad because when, this was in the early iterations of Baby, um, Mm -hmm. early on, we had been only, he had only been playing it for like, I guess a format, right? Because it was, Frieza was set 12, if I remember right. Is set 12. Yeah. Yes. So I remember when that card came out, I was testing it and he was like, <laughs> I played it. He was like, why are you main decking this card? So like, it's real good against blue, man. <laughs> he was like, no one mains this card. I said, oh, I do. <laughs> I definitely main that card. <laughs> um, but yes, card is just good against blue decks. It's insane. Yep. So those are options. Uh, Lord Slug, pretty good against blue. I don't I don't know that we're going to see a lot of Lord Slugs being main decked. It's kind of weak to God Seal specifically. It's weak to the matchup it's supposed to be strong against. Right, right. Uh, which which is why it doesn't really deserve a main deck slot in my opinion, but you could side it in and if you're going first, you can establish it pretty early with the yeah. uh, one drop before they have the opportunity then, to yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you turn off a lot of their stuff. Like if they're playing Tapion or if they're playing Parasite Unisons, <laughs> It's a shame. It's an adorable unison you've got there. Are you going to use your Tapion's plus minus zero to make your leader 25 so it can kill the slug? I bet you will. <laughs> Propose. Icarus has a lot of very good options. Yellow has a lot of very good options. Yeah. And uh, no, that Soul Striker is going to have a bit of a rough match post side deck against Icarus for sure. So win game one, guys. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really essential to win game one as Soul Striker. And then lastly, any advice for Gogeta Xeno players? Oh god. Um I mean you could put in Crisis Crusher. I mean if you're if right, if you're not side if you're not maining, um it, it depends on how your main deck's built, right? Like cause you can always side in more Vegetas, true fighting spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh they're they're gonna have all of them. Don't worry. <laughs> They'll always have all of them. Uh, definitely want to have secret identity. And if you're if you're Soul Striker and you're main decking Foo instead of secret identity, it's understandable. Side in two secret identities. Those things need to go. Uh, yeah. It's very, 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 slightly very important that the uh, stupid Vegetas get off the board. And uh, Black Mass, uh, not Black Mass Sam, Jesus. Secret Identity Masked Saiyan is a very good option for that. Also, the Gogeta Unison, very good option because, again, minus one, put them back in the hand. You still have them, but they if Gogeta Xeno taps into energy for one of those one drops on turn three or four, you're okay with it. You're happy. That's one less giant striker coming at my face. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, any Anything else, though, as if you are the Gogeta Xeno player? 
Oh, if you are going yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh, what I was talking about, the Vegetas. Oh, um, honestly, there are a lot of really nifty black cards that you can side as Gogeta Zeno. Number one, you should probably be mating, but if you're not, side in Super Kamehameha. Yeah, to that, stop that was Oshina. literally the first card that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And beyond that, I, I, I don't know. You, you just got to mill well. I, I don't, yeah. I do not, I do not respect Gogeta Zeno <laughs> enough to have have a good opinion of it in one way or another or to even care what they side deck it doesn't it never matters it, it it's, it's all about the mill that's it fair enough fair enough well um sublet i think that you've given a lot of really great insight into soul striker whether you are trying to decide on a deck for nats playing it at nats or just prepping for the deck uh, I think this was really amazing, actually. Are there any other things that you wanted to just say in general about the deck or anything that maybe I didn't ask about or we didn't get to about Soul Striker that you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, I'll just give a, a summary. Uh, so Soul Striker is a good deck. You're going to see it at Nationals. There are several variants of it. However, I personally believe that the blue-yellow variant with a little bit of an aggro kick to it, has the best chance at Nationals, has the best spread. Um, it's a mid-range deck. It is a value deck, and you're going to have to play it as such. Even with the aggro spin to it, you can only do that as a capitalize. Your opponent messes up. They tap out on two for some reason, and then you just kill them. Uh, outside of that, though, it's a deck for players who don't want to play aggro and don't want to play sell. And if you're going in with Soul Striker, make sure you've got your micro decisions down pat. Make sure you know how to sequence things and be prepared for a very long day because most of your games are probably going to time. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, that's, and that's, you're not alone. <laughs> you're definitely not alone there, but that is. <sighs> Yeah, that, that is one of the downsides, especially with the new time rules. Um, it makes it even even harder. But um, yep. but yeah, it's definitely an interesting deck. Um, it's interesting, too, playing against it because you don't necessarily know always immediately what kind of style you probably do, but you never know, you know, how, they're, how they charge first if they don't have the blue yellow to charge or however the game is going. You can play a lot of different cards in Soul Striker. So I think knowing what the card pool looks like um, from everything we've talked about in this episode will help you to at least narrow it down and start quickly deciding, okay, this is the style of, of build they have. This is how they're playing it here. So I need to play against it. So um, yeah, this was uh, this was fantastic, man. Before we wrap up, any shout outs you want to give? Oh, um, let's see here. Well, if you're already listening to the podcast, then you you know that the Discord is a wonderful place. Come join the Discord. Be nice to people. Sometimes people join the Discord just to not be nice to people. And then it's funny for us for a little <laughs> bit. Until, but uh, not, not recommended. You won't be there long if you do those things. Uh, shout out to Jimmy and Mike. You guys are awesome. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. Chesco, I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> no worries. I am also tired. Um, so we will wrap this up. It has been a blast having you on, my friend, and I'm sure you will be back on again soon. I hope at least. 
Always, man. <laughs> Talk to you later. I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaka? Monaka's Delivery Service. And that is it. We've wrapped up the Road to Nat series. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope it learned. I hope it helped. Uh, to recap, we went over the four of the top decks. We feel that you are most likely to see at Nats. We feel that these are four of the strongest decks in the format. Uh, we started off with Gogeta Zeno, then went on to Icarus, Cell Surge, and then we, of course, wrapped up today with Soul Striker. If you want to go back to learn about any of these decks, if you missed any prior episodes, they're all up there. Feel free to check them out. Uh, each one had a special guest just like today's. But that's it. We're just over a week left until Nats. Um, yeah, I I can't wait. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm very curious to see what all is going to be there. Obviously, these decks are just our opinions, our guesses on what we think is we're most likely to see. Who knows what the room will actually look like uh, in California, but it will be revealed very shortly. Because of how long this episode is, there will be no results of training, but of course have to give a shout out to pro mats, the best mats in the game. If you don't have a pro mat, you are doing yourself a disservice. Go pick one up, promats-customs.com. They have all different kinds of designs, all different kinds of characters, and they're even starting to do My Hero Academia mats. So all kinds of stuff to look at. Check them out, show them some love. Uh, they, they're a great sponsor of the podcast and they, they help us to do some of the fun things that we're trying to do. So definitely show that love back and, uh, and grab some mats. But we will wrap up with a question from Monaco's delivery service. Uh, like I said, no, no results of training just because there really isn't enough time. Uh, but for Monaco's delivery service, there, let's see, I'll pick a random question. Um, I'll pick Chunkin. So he said, if there was a villain SCR, which four villains should it feature? So as you all know, there's recently the SCR featuring fours, right? Um, from the new set from Saiyan Showdown. So he's saying if there was villains. So I think it would be cool if they did like a top villain, like some of the top villains from each, uh, from like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT and Dragon Ball Super. So let's see. So for Dragon Ball, probably King Piccolo, right? King Piccolo is probably like the, the big villain. So King Piccolo. And then for Dragon Ball Z, uh, I, f I feel like it's probably, f I mean, it's got to be Frieza. Frieza's got to be on the card, right? Yeah, it's got to be Frieza. Um, Dragon Ball GT, um, it's probably Baby, right? It's got to be Baby. Baby's like the, the big villain of, of GT. Um, so yeah, we'll do, what are, where are we at? So we're at Piccolo, Frieza, Baby, and then for Dragon Ball Super, uh, it's probably Goku Black, right? Goku Black. So yeah, let's do, uh, or Zamasu. I guess we could do Zamasu. Let's do Zamasu. Let's do Zamasu. I like that better. So we've got King Piccolo, Frieza, Baby, and Zamasu. <laughs> Let, let's make that the villain SCR. You get one, one from each of the uh, one run from each, I guess, uh, different version, if you will, of Dragon Ball. So there we go. That's my answer. Final answer. But anyways, thank you all, of course, for listening. If you made it this far, I will give you um, a little a little extra. Uh, we're doing a giveaway. Uh, the giveaway for November, we're going to be giving away a cloth two player mat made this is actually made by Promats before they branded themselves as Promats. So you already know the quality's great. Uh, it is a Bulma Bunny Girl mat at Kami House. I mean, come on. <laughs> the mat's fire. I'll post a picture of it in the Discord. Uh, if you want to enter, if you want to enter, here are the ways to enter. 
uh, one, we're still pushing YouTube. So a subscribe to our YouTube channel will count as one entry. You can post a screenshot, but we're going to do some more for this one. If you leave a review, I will give another entry. Now the review will have to be on, I, I believe Apple podcast is the main one. You can't leave reviews on Spotify. Um, if there is another service you can leave a review on, that's fine. But Apple podcast will be the main one. Uh, but if wherever you listen, reviews are allowed, then leave a review there. Just post a screenshot, show us that you left the review for the podcast. And then the third way, I am not mentioning this except for right now on this episode, this will give you two extra entries. All you have to do is go into the giveaway channel. And when you post your screenshot, just type the word hermit style. That's it. Well, two words, I guess. Right. But type hermit style when you post your picture. I'm only going to give these two extra entries until, let's say, until the end of this week. So if you get it in later, it's not going to count. Um, but if you want two bonus entries, this is for fans of the show who listened all the way through, who are listening right away. You have until this, the end of the day, this coming Sunday. Just go in, make your entry, type the words hermit style, and you get two extra entries to win the mat. Super easy, nothing special. And that would be Sunday, November 14th. Okay. Don't mention it to anybody. This is a special perk if you listened till now, because this is a long episode. All right. So if you listen all the way through, that's uh there you go. That's the that's a little extra you get. All right. But thanks as always, guys, for listening. Uh tomorrow I'm back. We'll have the award show. Don't miss out. And then Friday we kick off a brand new season of the podcast. We will see you there. Until then, talk to you soon. Problem on my back every day. I got to set this way to try whatever way. I got to be boy. Problem for you.